Christ is risen. We are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Isn't it fantastic news? And here we're just hearing about the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after the resurrection when they were in Galilee. When reflecting on this passage, there were a number of things that I noted, a number of things that struck me. The first being the contrast between the previous two weeks that we've had here in church and this week's reading. By comparison, this seems such an ordinary story, doesn't it? The disciples back at work as usual. Remember all the pomp and ceremony of Palm Sunday with people waving palm crosses here and remembering the Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, people shouting Alleluia, coats and palms spread before him. And then there was Easter last week. Good Friday with all the awfulness of the crucifixion. The terrible grief and desperation of the disciples who were so frightened. Followed by the joy of the resurrection and the appearance of the risen Lord. What a roller coaster of emotions these disciples had been on. And here we find the mac on the shores of, of the Sea of Galilee. We're told in Matthew's Gospel that Jesus had told um, Peter and the other disciples to go to Galilee to wait for him there. Galilee, of course, was a very familiar place. It was home. And Jesus had done about 90% of his ministry there. So the disciples must have been very comfortable. And there must have been so many memories of time spent with Jesus in Galilee for the disciples we hear about this morning. We have Simon Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel and James and John and another couple who aren't named. And for these seven followers of Jesus, it must have felt a bit strange being back in Galilee without the Lord to follow. The leader had been put to death, had risen from the dead, as he said he would, but what now? What exactly were they supposed to do? In today's Bible story, we heard that Peter sounds almost fed up as he says, oh, I'm going out to fish. And it seems a bit strange that his first act in response to two resurrection appearances and the breathing of the Holy Spirit onto them consists of convincing others to go out fishing, doesn't it? But perhaps Peter's actions simply follow the normal human tendency to return to normal when big experiences are over. over. If you ask the people who were um, at Spring Harvest just a couple of weeks ago, they'll probably say that was a great spiritual experience, and yet here they are, back at work. It's always a bit deflating to come home again, and soon things return to normal. We can't stay on that wonderful high all the time. And the second thing that strikes me about this passage is that Jesus appears to the disciples here in their usual place of work. Nothing terribly special about this place. It's just where they're working. Back to the work they go, and they're not really very successful. They were probably feeling a bit deflated anyway, but they must have been beginning to feel worse when they went out all night fishing and they come back with nothing. But their return to their previous life is about to be radically transformed, isn't it? Because they hear a voice calling to them from the shore and they see a figure standing there. 
They were obviously not really paying a great deal of attention to who it was because they didn't recognise who was speaking. And, and Maywell felt a bit irritated by this chap shouting, have you not caught any fish? It was obvious uh, that they hadn't caught any fish. They didn't need somebody else pointing it out to them. But then things change as Jesus shouts to them an instruction. Throw that net over to the right side of the boat. Now that would have been a very strange instruction for these fishermen. First of all, because normally you would throw the, boat, the, the net to the left so that when they were pulling it in, the right arm was used. And most people's strongest arm is the right arm. So that was an unusual thing to be asked to do. But this is a net. Why would throwing a net a few feet from there to there actually make that much difference? So this was a call to try something a little bit new with little prospect of success, I would have thought. But the disciples take the advice, and it must have been a huge surprise to discover a net full of fish. The nets that had been empty when used under the disciples' own power are filled to bursting point with a word from the risen Christ. Maybe there's a lesson here for us, both as individuals and as a church. Jesus helps the disciples in their everyday work. Perhaps we need to be a bit more diligent in bringing our daily work to God. We can understand perhaps our daily work as part of God's plan. All work is created by God and pleasing to God. And we can't all preach and teach. So God calls people to be road sweepers and dentists and cooks and mechanics and all sorts of things too. So we can use our work to glorify God. And we can recognize in our workplace God's presence with us. And we can claim that power, that power that filled the net with fish to do whatever job we're doing for God each day. Because all people are called to glorify God in their work. But as a congregation, maybe we've become accustomed to fishing in a particular way. That no matter how hard we try, there's never much of a catch when we go out into our communities. The church generally tends to have this tendency to keep doing the same things because we're used to them and we're comfortable with them and they're traditional Perhaps this story this morning reminds us that we're being invited to cast our nets to the right side of the boat, to act in some way that is a bit different from the norm, and to trust that the presence of the risen Christ is what's going to make a positive difference when we go out into our communities. And you'll notice that where Jesus is involved, there are no half measures. This is a net bursting full of fish, it's a bit like the wedding in Cana, isn't it, where there are gallons of wine produced and the 12 baskets of food left over after the feeding of the 5,000. Maybe we need to learn something about the abundance that Christ is offering us this morning. And did you notice the difference in the reactions of the different disciples? When they caught so many fish, John seemed to realize something was different. And so he looked up and recognized Jesus and said to Peter, it's the Lord. And don't you just love Peter's response. Grabs his jacket on with it, steps out of the boat straight into the water and heads towards Jesus. 
Just so much enthusiasm. No thought for anything or anybody else. Just here is the risen Christ, I'm going there. His faith was up and active and doing. And I quite like to think that sometimes I might respond to the risen Christ just like that, with enthusiasm and joy. But I'm not sure that's always me. John loved the Lord just as much, and yet his reaction was a bit different, wasn't it? He was a different sort, perhaps quieter, or maybe just a bit more measured in his responses. Maybe he just had a greater sense of responsibility. After all, there was this net full of fish. It had to be got back to the shore. They couldn't all just abandon ship and leap in and, and, and go to Jesus. There was work to be done and the others got on with it. But they weren't indifferent to Jesus' presence, just taking their time getting there. And whatever type of person we might be, it's not how we respond to Jesus perhaps that matters so much, but that we do respond to the risen Christ. Sometimes we might witness to the presence of the Lord, just as John did in a quiet way, and sometimes we might just show joy and enthusiasm and sing our hearts out and dance a little bit in church, as we sometimes do. And the final thing that struck me about this passage is that they didn't recognize Jesus for a while. And you'll maybe notice that when they, when they landed, Jesus had prepared breakfast for them. He said, come and have breakfast. And as the, screen, the, the scene is being described to us here, the storyteller explains to the readers in verse 12, none of them dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. It's as if here we're being given an inside view of what the disciples were thinking, isn't it? The reader of the gospel is invited to identify fully with these disciples and to see the event from the disciples' point of view and to share their feelings. And here, there's an element of just being a bit... I can't think of the word... (laughs) Um, just being very careful in the responses and the tendency to say, is this really Jesus who's risen? Is he really here with us? So they were surprised as sometimes perhaps we're surprised. And I wonder how many of us are like the first disciples in that we, like them, sometimes have difficulty in recognizing the risen Lord. Perhaps like Peter and James and all the rest, we're too often caught out by the presence of Christ in our midst. We have a hard time catching on to the fact that he's alive and he's here with us right now. And when we do get it figured out, other people have a hard time believing us, don't they? We have a hard time convincing fellow Christians that yes, I did hear the voice of God. Yes, the risen Christ is here. He has appeared and he has spoken to us. Think of some of the resurrection appearances for a moment. Think about how the different followers of Jesus failed to recognize him, sometimes for the longest time, about how it was difficult for them to get others to believe him too. For example, the disciples refused to believe Mary Magdalene when she told them that Jesus had appeared to her in the garden outside the grave. In fact, she herself thought it was the gardener, didn't she? And then we have the two disciples on the road to Emmaus who spent the day talking to to Jesus walking from Jerusalem. 
And it wasn't until they were breaking bread at supper time that they realized who they were with. And they finally realized it was Jesus. And then, of course, today's story. Jesus had already been with these disciples on two separate occasions and still they were slow to recognize him. I wonder why it is that the disciples and us are slow to recognize Jesus and why it is we refuse sometimes to believe that really he is here. And I think perhaps it's that we we don't expect to see him. And if we do, maybe we just expect to see Jesus in certain kinds of places. Places where there are Christian places. In places where there are stained glass windows or high ceilings. Special kind of quietness. Or maybe places where we're out in the beauty of nature. We're at the top of a hill or beside a lake. And it's all so beautiful. Where do you sense that God is? Where do you go to hear his voice speaking inside you and to feel his presence comforting you and giving you the renewed strength for the mission that he calls you to? We all need special places to go. Of course we do. Places of quiet and peace where we can meditate and pray and think about what it is that God wants of us in our lives. Places where we can find without too much difficulty that God is there with us. We need that. But if we settle only for that, or think that we can only meet God in these special places, then we end up with a bit of an impoverished faith, don't we? We end up missing out on the presence of Christ in all the places that he is. And that's sad. Because if we miss Christ in the ordinary places of our lives, in our workplace, for example, as with the disciples, then we also miss what he can teach us there and all that he can do in us and through us in these situations. Think of where Jesus was found after the resurrection in a cemetery garden, in a room that was all locked up and shuttered up, on a dusty road outside the city and by the seashore cooking and serving bread and fish. We might consider, because we read them in the Bible, these are special places, but they're only special because of the risen Christ being there. And consider too where Jesus was found before the resurrection, at a wedding, out in a fishing boat, at a neighbor's house, in a village marketplace, by a well talking to a Samaritan woman. So many places and so many people and so many different types of people. Jesus went everywhere and avoided no one. But because of that, some people before his his crucifixion said, this can't be the holy man. He doesn't go to the kind of places that a holy man would go to. He doesn't mix with the people that a holy man might mix with. They missed recognizing Jesus. And they missed the salvation that he offered because they didn't expect the Savior to be found in any places other than the kinds of places they had firmly fixed in their minds as kind of holy places important places. How strange it would be if we, who now believe him as the risen Christ, ended up missing his presence too, because we think he's only to be found in very special places, in big cathedrals or quiet gardens. Our risen Lord is everywhere. 
His spirit is all around us. And if we pay just a bit of special attention, we can see him and talk to him and serve him and be served by him, just as the disciples were in this story, in those everyday places of our lives, at home, at work, whatever we're doing, doing the shopping in Morrison's. When we think about it for a moment, what's a church building but an ordinary building to those without faith? If we think of many people who come into this building, they don't think of it as associated with the risen Christ at all. They're simply coming into a building where some activity is going on. For us here today, this ordinary building is a sacred place. Not only do we meet and serve God here, but God meets and serves us too. The ordinary becomes sacred because of the presence of Christ in it. And it is the presence of the risen Christ in these places, these ordinary places, that makes them special and changes our lives. The disciples were only a little bit slow in recognizing Jesus. Ultimately, they did identify him in and through all the things he did in their presence. He showed them where to catch fish, how to get their living, and they recognized him and responded to him. Perhaps we need to remember to seek the risen Christ and to serve him in all the things that we do, in both the things we regard as ordinary and the things we regard as special. Amen.